You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. We have now Carol, who's I'm, in a state. I, I'm the most organised person. So I'm up early and I think I'm going to be there by 10 past 5. I'll work on yeah. my laptop. I get a phone call. That's unusual. Hello, Carol. Hello. Nice to I'm have on you my in way. studio. <laughs> nice I to love have you in, in studio. studio. Nice to see. Yeah. It's Doctor. To give her the full title, Professor Doctor. Can but, I, just Carol. No, ben. no. Can't I just say Professor? Because it sounds Carol good. Ben. It sounds Professor good. Professor Carol Ben. Okay. Welcome, Carol. It's been a while since you were in studio, Thank and I'm you. glad that you're here again. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right. So. A health and well-being feature. It was going to say hour, but now it's a feature because it's not an hour. No. But uh, whatever you want to chat to Carol about in terms of breast cancer, cancer in general, um, anything to do with reconstructive surgery, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Carol is your girl. O one one double eight three o seven o two or o two one four four six o five six seven, or you can SMS on three one seven o two or three one five six seven. Um, okay, Carol, are you taking I'm a deep breath? Happy, you, I'm fine. There we go. Okay, a uh, lot of questions that I want to ask, but I'm, I'm sure the lines are going to light up very soon because uh, there are always people who want to talk to you. Can we dispel a couple of myths? Oh, right, good. right up yeah. front. Um, and that is about the about cancer being hereditary. Now, okay. there, I, I was talking to somebody just the other day who was saying, oh, yes, but definitely, if your mother has had cancer, you will definitely, definitely yeah. get it. And that some forms of cancer are guaranteed to be hereditary and others are not. What's, what are the facts? Okay, so the facts are, imagine your genetic blueprint is like getting a, a set of cards. Okay, there are certain cards you can give away. Yes. And those would be diet and lifestyle. Exercise, what you eat, watching what you drink, what you smoke, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And there are things that you are going to get that are out of your control, such as you may get some of your parents' genetics, so in terms of cancer, breast and colon and melanoma and this, and you mm. might get other random genetics, or you might just get a gene that predisposes you and then it's how the cards play out how they turn over so you can have people who've got six out of ten ladies who get breast cancer have no identifiable risk factors three out of ten have family history on their father and their mother's side of breast or other cancer only ten percent have documented genetics well we think they have and out, out of those, only 6 out of the 10 do we test positive for BRCA1 or 2. So it doesn't mean if your mom's had cancer, you're going to get cancer. You may, in, if your mom's had cancer under 40, you may be predisposed and have certain genetics that put mm. you at high risk, but it's not an absolute. Mm. So you would be at a 60 or 60 to 80% chance of getting cancer. But diet and lifestyle go a long way. So it's really a, a random throw of the cards. There are people who do absolutely everything right and still get cancer, and then there are people who live a life of smoking and drinking and debauchery. And I'm never fascinated by outside here how busy it is, and um, never get never get cancer. Yes. So the, it's a combination of factors. Think of it like um, one of those one-armed bandits playing mm. the the machine and mm. how the little things slot into place. So if your if your parents have one or more parents has had cancer, it it can increase your your risk in predisposed in you. some areas. Absolutely. Okay, but it doesn't mean to say that because you um, that you're going to get it if no. you change your lifestyle, if you're careful, if I, you do exercise. I think there are lots of things you can do to counteract, yes. and then there's the value of screening, early detection. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, right. So that puts the that puts the the decision on that. There's been a lot of. Uh, you, I'm sure you come across it a lot yeah. as well, all the time. Yeah. People who say, "Well, yes, my mother had it. I'm definitely going to get it." And that's not true. No, not at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you can give Carol a call: oh one one double eight three zero seven zero two or oh two one four four six zero five six seven. SMS three one seven zero two or three one five six seven. Let's take some of these SMSs. Okay. Um, please ask the professor the following: I have breast implants that are twenty. Years old. If I go for a mammogram, won't it damage the implants? Okay. So, um, 20 year old implants is like driving a 20 year old car. So, a lot of the implants today have a 30 to 40 year old lifespan. Yes. But some of the older ones that were put in 20, 30 years ago, often they, they said on the little card that you got with the implants, and um, we suggest you consider replacing them at about 10 years. When you go for a mammogram, they've got to be gentle. Usually the implants are oftentimes put behind the muscle. Sometimes it's just behind the breast. And they actually pull the breast forward when they do the mammogram and the sonar. So a good radiology department will not damage the implants. Mm. So I advise that you go. You said back in the day, 30 years, 20, 30 No, years? no, oh, they have about a 30-year lifespan. No, it's a 30-year. Yeah. Back but, then? But, that, but the ones that we were putting in about 20 years ago had about a 10-year lifespan. So I often see people, you know, they, they may still be fine, hmm. but I often see people with capsular contractions, which means the prostheses go hard, you know, Donatella Versace boobs and um, or... <laughs> I love the description. <laughs> well, we're on radio, so people must be able to picture it. Or what I call rock in a sock, you know. The, yeah. Yes, okay. The prosthesis drops and you have this this, this breast hanging off the bottom of the prosthesis. Yes. yes. Uh, right, SMS, lovely Professor Carol Ben, fantastic person, doctor with her team. The, mail, the check is in the post for you. Uh, one, somebody else says one of the our best hopes of finding a cure for cancer is Cancer Research UK. But sadly, this organization, like many others around the world, have to rely solely on public funds. How disgusting that we spend billions on space, on space exploration when this money should be targeted directly at cancer research. That's from Paul. You know, I've just finished an article that I really battled to write on limitations of um evidence-based how we use resources in um, low-income and middle-income countries. Mm. And I think it, it's such a difficult question because everything we're involved in, so I could agree with this person, there are many organizations doing research. There are many extremely brilliant people. And I really do believe that in 10 and 15 years' time, we're going to know which cells are good cells, bad cells, alive cells and dead cells and be able mm. to switch them on. It's going to be all in the, the, the ITs and the techies. It'll be a form of body gaming I think but but at the moment there's only so much in the pots and when you drive in and I always listen to 702s you know and you listen to money aside for Syrian refugees and everything it's a question of where does it go and who utilizes it there's no right or wrong answer mm. but there are lots of people doing research Cancer UK is excellent mm. but throughout the world Maria we're going to talk to you in just a second let me just ask this question yeah. is the incidence of cancer increasing yes but remember people are living for longer. So one in three men at 80 have a prostate cancer, one in six women now at 70, one in four people at 70 will have a cancer. One in four at age 70 will have cancer. Yeah. That's an Gosh, incidence. That, yeah. that's scary. But it's not all over the world, though. Japan is much less than that, no, isn't it, for well, some strange that, reason? I think that's, uh, that is actually a westernized world. 
Yes, but they have high incidence of things like stomach cancers so they, oh, and okay. esophageal. So, okay. you know, it's also what are people dying from? Mm. All right. Maria in Cape Town, thanks for calling. Morning. Uh, good morning. Um, good morning. I'd like to speak to Dr. Carol. Mm -hmm. Are you speaking um, to me? Two questions I have got. My husband had prostate cancer. Unfortunately, I lost him two years ago. And uh, But somebody said that, that cancer can be cured. Is that possible? Prostate well, cancer can be cured. Well, I think if you detect any cancer early, I, I think I'd, the word cured, let's look at disease-free intervals. I don't think life can be cured. A function is we go through life and you insure it of death and taxes. So when you say cured, what it means is it can be treated in such a way that the person most likely will never die from their prostate cancer. And yes, that's true. So what we do is they, um, the clever multidisciplinary team will decide how it's going to be treated. They will look at the options, whether they use... Um, a form of treatment of radiotherapy or whether they use surgery and then they'll look together and see if there's need for medications and there's even chemotherapies. So you individualize, you individualize each case. And what I don't like is I don't like doctors who put lines and sands for patients. You've only got so many months or you've only, because there's a really nice study done about 50 years ago where we didn't have a lot of oncology drugs and they took people who they couldn't treat Half of them, they told them they had six months, and the other they said, go and learn to do something new. Go and learn yeah. to, whatever, knit, play the piano, learn a language, do, make a garden. And in that group, half of those yeah. people were alive 18 months after mm -hmm. where they'd drawn the line in the sand. So you can't really do that. So I think yeah. if, you've, if you've been unfortunate enough to have a cancer, you do everything in your power, in my opinion, right treatment, and then what you do is you'll see what you can correct and fix correctable factors. So there's a nice study on exercise and cancer that people who exercise more than 45 minutes four times a week, if they have a cancer, improve their survival, their outcomes. So they're all things that we can do. Mm. Okay. Yes. Yes, that's one question, Dr. Carolyn. And the other thing is I have got bronchitis. This is chronic bronchitis. Um, is that possible to, to again, are you using the same word, cure it, the, the bronchitis or not? Well, I think you need to see a good respiratory physician. They need to work out why you're putting... A good respiratory okay. physician, you, they need to see why you're getting the bronchitis. It's not my field of expertise. But there's there's also nice evidence on reflux. And as people get older, they get more reflux. The, the acid from their stomach goes into their chest and they pick up... Um, almost late onset asthma, bronchitis. So go see a good respiratory physician. There are lots of very clever medicines out today for both COPD and asthma and bronchitis, and I'm sure they can make some suggestions for you. Okay. All right, Maria, thank you very much for the call. That's Maria in Cape Town. Is it, is it true, Carol, that everybody has got a latent cancer Germ, seed, gene, cells, cell, okay. whatever it may be. Okay, so cells are born, cells live, cells die, okay? What happens is sometimes there are, and often are, there are abnormal cells in the body, and then we have the, all these little clever defense mechanisms that are supposed to eat the cells and kill the abnormal cells and recognize abnormal cells. Mm. And when they're failure of these mechanisms, then yes, you can get 
um, development of cancers and abnormal cells. So it's a combination of, and that's why we see more cancers as people get older, it's a combination of environmental factors. Think of skin and melanoma and your exposure, aging, Mm -hmm. older you get, okay, and then the body's ability to kill those cells. So you could, the answer to that could be yes. I think what we must do, that's why the, the diet and the lifestyle is so important. Um, all right, so, so there's no definitive answer is actually what you're so, saying. So when they have to be because they're, they're abnormal cells, but our body's yes. supposed to kill them. But you can't walk around and say, well, we're all sitting with cancer cells. I don't think that is an accurate um, statement. Uh, yeah, okay. What we can say is that we, we all have cells that will become abnormal and then our bodies will kill them. We don't know if they actually get to that phase where they're cancer cells because then the body might not be able to kill them. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, then somebody says, I have pain running down my gland into the neck, into the right breast. Also have a prosthesis. Uh, is there some concern there with pain? Well, yeah, I think whenever you have pain, you should investigate it. So we would always ask, how old are you? And have you had, you always start with a friendly radiologist. Have you started with a sonar or sonar and a mammogram? If that's the right age. And... Um, it, it could be related to the prosthesis. Sometimes we see um, pain on the medial, on the middle aspect of the breast related to pulling in the prosthesis. Or it might just be breast pain. There's another um, type of pain that confuses the issue, and it's actually not breast pain. It's called costochondritis. It's inflammation in the rib. Men and women get it on the side of the breast, mm-hmm. and um, you often get discomfort in the small muscles of your back, and those are related to all the little chronic fatigue viruses. And my buzzword is zinc. I looked at the studies on zinc, on Zinplex, that they did in the era of the beetroot and HIV, and there's mm-hmm. very interesting work done on zinc and viruses. I think it's useful. Tell us more. What is, what is this thing about zinc? Okay, so um, they, they always tease me at, at the rooms about my little handful of supplements, and I, I will tell you that supplements are medicines just like anything else, and they're supposed to supplement what you eat. It's not a replacement for food, and it's not the be-all and the end-all, so you can't treat things with supplements sometimes. Um, So the studies on zinc show that um, zinc affects some of the viruses. I don't know if you've seen um, the herpes virus, the flare-up of the cold sores. Mm -hmm. So that seems to decrease breakout. And they did studies on this in the HIV era where they were using um, beetroot, et cetera, et cetera. We we won't go there because we're not going there. and it showed that it um, improved a person's ability, immune ability, to manage viruses. So often the ladies who come in with costochondritis and repeated cold sores and mm. run down, I suggest a little course of zinc, and it seems to help. Okay. Okay. Now, now, on, the, on the thing about supplements, yeah. um, one hears stories about um, that that to go for chemotherapy is so damaging it will destroy the system. What you should be doing yeah. is taking supplements. You should be okay. taking yeah. natural herbs. You should be taking things like Sutherlandia, which is, cancer, cancer, yeah, yeah. which is a cancer cure, yeah. but it's natural. But don't take all that other stuff because Sutherlandia and others will cure you. And your answer is? Well, I, I, again, I, I wrote a chapter for one of the magazines now on on chemotherapy and I have the hugest respect for oncologists 
Up till 1950s, surgeons ruled the roost. The bigger the surgery, if we could chop any off, and only the cancers we couldn't manage, we then sent to the oncologist. Now, the basis of oncology, you've got to think of oncology drugs as antibiotics to treat cancer. Mm. A lot of these drugs originate from things like tree bark and mushrooms and mm. fungi, okay? Mm. And if we had to still make them like that, we wouldn't have a planet. So what they've done is they've taken the substances and seen how they worked at a cell level and created them into chemicals. And yes, the concept of chemo being bad, for chemo is good for you if you have a cancer because if it's going to kill the cancer cells, that's a good thing. Cancer is a terrorist. Its main job is to find a place to go and hide elsewhere in your body and do a 9-11 on you 10 years down the line. So sometimes some chemo drugs, and not all of them, and the future is in target therapies, which are like playing Pac-Man with cancer cells. They can zoom them out like snipers and pick up exactly the cell and with minimal side effects. Oncologists are acutely aware of the fact that if you've got a rapidly dividing cell, mm. it's going to affect things like your hair. And today we've got fancy cold caps that we can put on that can protect hair. I'm hoping we going to get a couple more in the country and ways that the nausea and with your gut and there are people who have specialized in supportive care on chemotherapy to try and make sure that we can treat the cancer without you having as many side effects as you may need mm. all right so i get from what you're saying i get that that supplements have their place but yes, they are exactly the, that they are supplements. two supplement yeah not and to kill an additive to whatever yes and you must please if you take things tell your oncologist these are very clever doctors and I, and i want to stress you know um sometimes you have these cancers that are look like swarm of bees they're only only sleeping cancers and you take them out and they're not in the breast and they're not in the glands and yet they've had the terrorist ability to go and hide elsewhere to create damage down the line. And that's really what we're trying to prevent. Is there a day that will come where we just don't have cancer anymore? I th I'm hoping that there's a day that's going to come where we can just treat things with um, as specific targeted medication as possible and may not even need to operate. Um, we can hope. They're very yeah. clever, clever scientists out there. Jay says, I have an enlarged prostate which is not cancerous. Can you reduce the enlargement? I think we need to get a prostate specialist, Professor Mohammed Hafiji or someone or Lance on, on this program. So there are medications and I think you must go and see your specialist. Sometimes what they do is they actually take it out. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right, we're talking in studio to Dr. Carol Ben, who is, as we know, one of South Africa's eminent uh, breast cancer specialists and surgeons. Numbers to dial 011-883-0702 and 021-446-0567, SMS 31702 or 31567. Uh, Dr. Carol, my ex-husband was found to have prostate cancer. He mm -hmm. had certain seeds from the USA injected yeah. into his prostate. It was a few years ago. Yeah. He seems to be okay yeah. now. Question mark, question mark. That's, That's good. Fun. What are the seeds? What is this? Well, brachy seeds, okay. So radiation seeds they can put in. So we, we do do that. We can do it here. Remember, multidisciplinary care. So that you make a diagnosis, you assess it with many specialists, radiation specialists, surgeon, oncologists together, discuss with the patient. There are 
different ways to do different things. So some people start, choose surgery, some people choose these little bracky seeds. So there are many ways and you choose what's best for the patient. And then absolutely we can pick, manage things well if we pick it up early. It, 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 it's also true, isn't it, that if somebody is suffering from cancer, yeah. uh, they don't see immediate um, effectiveness if, yeah. from, from the drugs that they're taking, and they will go and seek alternative cures. Uh, they'll go to Mexico and have a oh. latrile drug pumped into them, or they'll go to some other no. kind of healer. Is that right? I mean, I've they just, get to the point just, where they just... I've just lost a lady who oh. um, elected to go the other way and it was the most distressing phone call her family phoned in and said please we need help now and my my um what i always say is we'll never turn anyone away you know you walk down one road and you can walk back up another road so i see spectacular results from chemotherapy because a large number of my patients in the government and some in private present with what we call locally advanced breast cancer cancer is bigger than five centimeters about 62 percent of these ladies and you give them chemotherapy and halfway through the chemotherapy they come to you and you can no longer feel the cancer. It's amazing. So we've just been busy with a trial. It's a fabulous trial, international trial of a of a biosimilar, something similar to one of the targets. And about 22% of patients have this this target. And we've given them this drug and they've come to surgery. And in every single one of the patients I've operated, they've had... Not a single cancer cell left. Mm. It's so wow, it's fabulous. Ooh, good grief. All yeah. right. So uh, let's go back to the lines and talk to Liz in Soweto. Hello, Liz. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Hi, fine. And you, Liz? Fine. Uh, I just want to say I'm an HIV positive patient and I've been using the Plex tablets for my supplement and I'm telling you it's doing wonders. My viral load is undetected. My CT4 count has gone up. So, wow. Like, yes. Uh, it's my supplement this of the year. Everyone knows in the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good, Liz. And you're feeling good, hey? I'm very much good. And yeah. you're taking your, um, your ARVs as well? My ARVs, like, religiously. Good. Good, good, good. Excellent. Well done, Liz. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Liz calling from And I think that's such an important call because, you know, a lot of people with breast cancer require chronic medication and, um, you know, th things such as tamoxifen. And I routinely have people, why do I need to take this? And, well, I don't want something and I don't want the side effects and I don't want to get fat. Now, fat is related to what you put in your mouth. The tablet itself does not have any calories. So... Unfortunately, what these medicines do is they put you into menopause. And you and I both know as we've got older, you have to watch what you eat. You can't have what you had when you're 10. You can't have breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. No. No, you can't. <laughs> so, And you have to output it more. So, And when, I, when that, you get that phone call about ARVs, I mean, I've had to take them on occasion in terms of an exposure risk. And the side effects, I barely battled my way through... 48 hours mm. and I think of these people who take them every single day and I say kudos and well done to them mm. Mm. undetectable viral load I thought I heard a baby in the background but I don't know I just think well done mm. so I encourage people if you are required to be on a medication yes there's side effects try and combat the side effects but your doctors are not saying take it for no reason 
So take the medicine. All right. Lynn in Madison. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hello, Lynn. Hello. Uh, doctor um, did uh, treat my sister, Carolyn Stachlung, and she passed away. Hello, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> and it, that was three years yeah. ago now. Um, my dad had a, a, a lump in his breast and he had uh, a biopsy kind of thing and they said it was uh, negative and it went away and that. And now he has a pain again in the side of his breast and he went to the clinic. He's not a medical. So why doesn't he come and see me at Helen Joseph? Why doesn't he come see me on Wednesday or Thursday at Helen Joseph? Because it sounds like he's got gynecomastia and as men get older they get little breast development with little lumps but if it's painful... I want to check to see what they did. Did they do a sonar? Was the biopsy in the right place? Let me have a look at him. I'd love to. He, yeah, he says, you know, it's it sort of, I think I can't, I don't know the times of day, but he says like maybe it's uh, only sore at night and during the day it's not sore at all, etc. Well, if, if things that are not so all the time are less likely to be cancer, but he needs an examination. So like I said, I'd love to see you, and you're more than welcome to come through to Helen Joseph. There you are, Lynn. That's an invitation you can't refuse. There we go. <laughs> all right, SMS says, I have an enlarged prostate. It was going to be removed. I went for a second opinion after four months on a drug called Avodart. Yeah. The prostate has reduced in some size to the extent that I now only need to go for checkups once every six months. That's so, from Harry. So I think what the message is is that um, doctors people and you get different types of doctors you get the good the bad the indifferent the knowledgeable the not knowledgeable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's your body and not the doctors and i've often said on this program go for a second opinion if you are in any doubt in fact you should go for a second opinion anyway mm. and then when you go for an opinion you don't tell anyone what the first opinion is a true opinion is an unbiased opinion and what you do then is insist that things are discussed in a multidisciplinary environment not everything required. My worst is with the breast is I see people that come in and we've insisted that this is cut out because they think it is a cancer or it may become a cancer. And mm. you don't need to cut something out to find out what it is. Mm. You can do a mammogram and ultrasound and a fancy type of needle biopsy, know what it is and prevent an operation. Mm. Because although you are a cancer, um, you're a surgeon, surgeon your try, last resort is the knife. Am I can I right? tell you something. For every... 100 patients I see, I operate on less than 10. And I'm not talking about cancer patients because most cancer patients will have some form of surgery, but people with breast problems. All right. Paul says, although there are over 200 different types of cancer, does the doctor believe there could be a cure that is common to all of them? Well, that would be something at a cell level. I don't know if that's possible. We'll have to wait. But that it would mean our ability to switch things on and off at a cell level before something and I don't think it's possible because different there are different types of cells in the body so things originate from different areas so breast cancer arises from the breast and the breast cells and brain and sarcoma and blood so no Natalie says what is Dr. Ben's stance on taking oral contraceptives and breast cancer risk especially if over the age of 35 apart from other risks such as DVT more interested in breast cancer risk so basically um, the data shows that it's it's not a risk factor at all Um, what's interesting is that the length of time that they've looked at if people are over oral contraceptive for for 10-15 years 
in that group they see a marginally increased in breast cancer, but it's most likely not necessary due to the, uh, the contraceptive pill. It's the women over 35 who ha- start having their children then or who don't have children are at higher risk for developing a breast cancer. Mm. So it's not one thing. So if you are not overweight, and I think I'm glad you mentioned DBT risk because the data on the oral contraceptive pills in your 40s, you've got to take into account all the other side effects. Mm. Not overweight, exercising, I don't have a problem with you being on a contraceptive pill. Okay, so there's a minimal risk between the contraceptive pill and breast cancer. Absolutely, Absolutely. negligible. Take it. Um, then the rhythm doc- method doesn't work. <laughs> 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 uh, hi, doc. To arrest my prostate cancer, I underwent brachytherapy. Yes. My scrotum has changed colour to white. I'm a black male. Is the development serious from rain, Alex? So basically, it's the pigment change in the colours from the radiation in the area. Yeah. So it's you not. Should- it's not serious. Not you should serious. go show it to his doctor, though. Okay. okay. And then uh, somebody says, I think that you can't overcome cancer if the pH of your blood is too acidic. 70, 7.3 or 73 and below is too acidic. What's your comment? My comment on it is it's, there are all sorts of combinations of things. If you're eating and drinking properly, your pH of your blood will be normal. <laughs> okay. So I think your pH is your pH and your body is your body and cells are going to grow and cells are going to be broken down. And there's no one answer and quick solution to anything. Andre wants to know thoughts on cannabis oil yes, in treating. I it was going to come up. <laughs> in treating cancer, it is now being proven to work better than chemo and modern treatments. Okay, Question so mark. the data shows that you can you can't use it as your own, but it's a supportive care. Many many years ago, we used to um, suggest to patients to have. Um, um, cannabis tea while they were on the chemo because it helped with the nausea. So you can take it, okay, but you've got to make sure you get hold of things that are legal. You need to let your oncologist know it is not the panacea and it's not the only thing. So in other words, if you're on your chemo and you speak to your oncologist and they say they don't mind you taking it while you're on the chemo, then you can take it. Mm. Again, you've got to take what's legal, okay. The next thing is... Um, so, so it's not the be-all and the end-all. You know, there's a... Do you remember that drug, thalidomide? That yes. Used, oh, yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible. consequences. So do you know, it's one of the very, very good cancer treatments at the moment. Yeah. Really? So things come and go, and we... It's right... It's finding the right utilization of the right substance. Is it in different dosages, different forms? Sure, sure. Different... So, so it's just interesting because of how it works cells. It's, it's used um, yes. in cancer treatment. So in... In answer to your question about cannabis oil, it's not the panacea and the be-all and end-all. Mm. Yes, there's some studies. It helps, and you can use it as supportive care mm. with your oncology treatment. Somebody says, what a great world it would be if all the fancy doctors could have clinics for the poor just one day a week. And your answer <laughs> is, I've got a clinic for that. But, but uh, you know what? I, I honestly wish, you know, we talk about national health initiatives. Yes. If every single doctor in private had to give up half a day into government services, yes. and I don't think it would hugely affect their practices, we, we could just revolutionize healthcare in this, in this country. <laughs> for me, it's, it's a no-brainer. We've yeah. got such brilliant medical minds here. Half a day, help yeah. out in an oncology clinic, yeah. help out in a breast clinic, 
respiratory specialists help out. There are a lot of people who do do that, but it would make such a difference. You're at Helen Joseph. Uh, yeah, but, and we've got two clinics. We've got a new patient clinic on a Wednesday, the cancer clinic, and plastics and follow-ups and everything on a Thursday. And we have two big lists on a Monday and a Friday. Um, and... Um, yeah, Tuesday's really admin and genetics and, and palliative and care. And it's a walk-in free. Absolutely, walk-in. So it, w- it wouldn't be our, it's walk-in. It's the, the government looks at where you live and what you earn and yes. they target what you pay. So I think it's 35 rand or maximum up to 200 rand. Okay, the, I've got some listeners who want to know the name of the supplement. Please repeat the name of the supplement <laughs> you're talking I'm gonna about. I'm going to get into trouble. Which one? Okay. It's your preferred supplement. Oh, okay. So I take, I take a whole host. I'm the the laugh of town, okay? but um, You're the poor queen. The, I have the richest <laughs> urine in, in, in Joburg. And, 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 you know, I've had side effects to them. So please, guys, be careful what you take. What what I what the one I was doing zinc. work on was zinc. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, okay. And zinc and zinc does all kinds of good things. Yeah, but for certain things. For certain okay. Things. Check um, with your doctor. Kenya in Santa says, "Hi, doc. Is it true that green tea and rooibos tea help to oh, reduce no. cancer cells?" Okay, and green tea metabolism. I always say people are trying to lose weight. I try. I have like five cups of green tea a day. No, I'm not trying to lose weight, please. But I'm telling you that five cups of green tea. I think green tea is great. I think bush tea is great. I think we take in too many complex carbohydrates and too much processed food. One more SMS. We'll go back to the lines. I had an elevated PSA level, did a biopsy. Cancer was confirmed. My urologist recommended surgery. I opted for brachytherapy and my prostate cancer is now under control. Okay, so what have we learned from that? He practiced multidisciplinary medicine. Someone recommended one thing. Someone recommended something else. They sat with a patient. The patient decided with the doctor and the doctor's expertise. My um, young consultant gave me a lovely cup. Don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree. It was excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. I love it. Say it again. (laughs) Don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree. How many people do you have coming into your practice that say, I saw on Google, da-da-da-da. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the lines. Uh, Libby in Milnerton. Hi. Good morning to you. Hello, Hello. Good morning. Hi. Um, I'd like to know whether um, it's true that one shouldn't have a colonoscopy after the age of 70. Someone told me, I've had two colonoscopies, mainly routine, every five years, and I'm turning 70 this okay. year. And um, look, it's not a pleasant experience, and I hate it. <laughs> Yeah. And I just wanted to know what your opinion was. Well, I did mine last year. You know, they say you should do your colonoscopies and gastroscopes at 50 or your gastroscopes from 40. So what do I think? I think you must discuss it with your um, your gastroenterologist. So there's no rule to say 70 is a cutoff and don't do it. What often happens overseas, and I find quite sad, is they say don't screen ladies over 70 or... And, and everything in life is about health economics when we look at screening. It's cost versus yeah. benefit. And that, well, it's a fact of life, um, mm. but it is sad. So there's, if you're a healthy 70-year-old and there was a reason why your gastroenterologist was saying come five years instead of 10 years, then you should go. And I, I agree with you. Maybe the bowel prep's not so pleasant, but the actual procedure's over quite quickly. Um, it, it's, you know, a, a friend of mine who's over 70, she had... I guess, I guess um, a colonoscopy and uh, that 
they penetrate, perforated something in her. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course, those things can happen, but that's why you must look in terms. You must speak to your gastroenterologist and here you go. If you're going every yeah. five years, I think he has an idea of where he's putting his camera and his little scope. They're also <laughs> interesting things now. They're little pellets that you can swallow with cameras. Oh, yeah, I heard yes, about that. that. The photographs all the way down. Visualize all the way down. So yeah. I would suggest, because it's a bit like giving birth and childbirth. People always say, I've heard yeah. this about cancer and I've heard this about that. And oh. I always say the stories that are out there are always the not pleasant stories. Mm. You know, and, and also, my mom um, died of lung cancer. Uh, does that mean that um, I'm predisposed was she a smoker was, was she a smoker it, she was there we she go yeah, she, she did smoke many years ago and then she stopped. Yeah, okay, so that's a, that's a predisposition. I was a smoker, but I Well, there we go. You've stopped, so we are very proud of you. Well done. Thank you, Debbie and Milton. And moving on to Yolandi in Randburg. Hi. Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, I'm having quite a lot of problems with my menopause. Um, so I was put onto a tablet called Estropause. Yeah. Um, but now um, the doctor has taken me off because he says that um, um, it, it causes um, breast cancer. Okay, so... Um, it can give you lumps in the breast. Okay. But, you know, I'm not having a quality of life. And okay, so let's, let's... I don't know which option is better. Let's, un- let's unpack this. Okay, so firstly... Um, HRT doesn't cause breast cancer. I think it's a fertilizer. So I say to ladies, take it with pleasure, okay, but remember to go for your mammograms and ultrasounds and watch how long you are on it, okay. If you're having a poor quality of life, then, and you've discussed with your doctor and the doctors, and you've controlled all the controllable factors, your glucose, your insulin, your weight, um, there we go. And there are many other ways you can kind of look at heart flashes. But if you're having a poor quality of life and the HRT helps, then take it. Just remember, okay. breast cancer is different to lumps, okay? Yes, if it's fertilizing and you fertilize, then your breasts are going to feel more full and heavy and lumpy. Go for your mammograms and ultrasounds to a good unit. And maybe if you don't go routinely, make sure you follow like a high-risk pro- protocol. You have a mammogram and ultrasound in January and a sonar in June. Okay. Okay, then just one more thing. I had a, uh, in April I had a tubular adenoma and a polyp on my colon, okay. which was benign, but it was bleeding, so I had an iron deficiency. Yes. Are the ch- do I need to go back and have that checked sure. again? Or sure, you should. Is it well, likely to come back? No, no, no. If they, sometimes they take it out. So basically they should have taken it out. They so do, what, they so, it, so yes. what happens is your gastroenterologist would have said to you, I want to see you and do a repeat scope at three months, six months, or 18 months, whatever they've you decided. Did, but you know, I'm a pensioner and I just can't afford it. Okay, well, you can, it can be done on medical aid or it can be done in the government setting as well. Okay. All right, thank All right. you. Thank you, Landy, okay. for your, for your uh, phone call. Sorry, we're out, out of time, but let me ask you this one yes, question yes. very quickly. Regular coffee enemas, beneficial, yes or no? Oh, I don't know. I, I've got my coffee sitting right here next to me. <laughs> I love my coffee. It's the only machine I can use in the kitchen, and it's going in my mouth, guys. It's the only place. Okay. <laughs> Carol, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Where can people get hold of you? Helen Joseph? Um, yeah. Um, okay. Line? So basically, there's a there's a care assist line, 0860 There's a Joburg line, 480 which has everything including how you access Helen Joseph mm-hmm. and there's I think it's breast health on the website um, and please Helen Joseph Clinic Wednesdays and Thursdays 
and with pleasure. Lovely to see you. Pleasure. Thank Sorry you. I was late. No, no. Oh, no we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Carol. Bye.